Well, good morning, and it's good to be home. Uh, Laura just mentioned we were in Colorado. Got to spend some time in Colorado. I'll be honest with you, when we crossed the border into Oklahoma, I was like, why do we live here again? Why are we here? What, what, I don't understand this. But then, um, I, to be perfectly honest, like I lo- how many of you have been to Colorado? It's, oh my, how many, wow. Okay, how many would like to be there right now instead of here? Okay, you feel me. What's wrong with the rest of you? <laughs> No, I like it. It's going to be 100 next week. My armpits are going to be all sweaty. I'm going to look gross and everything in front of all my customers. I'm excited about it. It's like 75 there right now. But uh, Laura and I went to uh, church with our kids because that's what we do. Uh, even on vacation, we go to church and we visited a pretty substantial, uh, very popular church in the Colorado Springs area. And uh, to be honest with you, I was like, um, God goes to my church. I know that. Uh, I miss you guys. I, they, they had great worship. Uh, I'm sure their church is wonderful. I'm sure God shows up occasionally there. But, but, but to come home, I, I mean, I, I really don't care that I live in Oklahoma, to be honest with you. It's, I just love pastoring this church. I love being a part of this congregation and doing life with all of you. And as I was sitting there this morning with Laura, we should all give ourselves a hand clap for that. Um, man, I just do. I just, I absolutely love being a part of the, this group of people. And I, I told Laura, I said, man, I just hope God just lets me just do this until the day they drag me away. I, I want to be the pastor of this church. I don't have any desire to go anywhere else. Um, if we could transplant this church into the Rockies, uh, that would be awesome. Um, but I'm, I'm just excited. It's such a privilege to be your pastor. We are in our series called I Like Giving. It's based on this book by Brad Formsma called I Like Giving. Uh, we don't do book series very often, but I, I came across Brad's story and his organization, read his book, and was just absolutely moved by it because I want, I want to be known as a generous person. And I think you want to be known as a generous person. And as a church, we want to be known as a generous people. But it's, it's hard to do that. It's hard. There's, there's things that fight against that. And, and Brad just lays out giving in a way that I had not seen done before. In fact, we've got uh, copies of this book. If you want a copy of it, they are $10, and they are in the Next Steps room. We've only got a very small, limited supply of them, but they're just 10 bucks. It's a very easy read. I would encourage you to, to pick this book up. But we are in the middle of the series, and uh, today I want to talk to you about I Like Enjoyment. Each week in the series, we're talking about I Like Something. Last week, uh, Daniel did a tremendous job talking about I Like Image. Would you give Daniel a hand for what an amazing job he did last week? Man, I'm telling you, it is, uh, it, it is just so, uh, I, I have so much confidence in our staff that I know I can go away, I, I can get refreshed, I can rest, and I can even go attend another church on a Sunday, and I'm not sitting there wondering, are they, uh, is it going good, is it going well, is it going good, is it going well? You know what I'm thinking when I'm there? Th- th- I'm just going to be, this is the, the truth, while the guy was up preaching, I was like, I would rather be home listening to Daniel preach right now. That's what I was thinking. Not because this guy was a bad preacher, but because I like hearing Daniel preach, and I went back and listened to the podcast. I would encourage you to do that as well. If you haven't, and I know some of you weren't here for the 4th of July weekend, go back, listen to the podcast. It is a great message. You don't want to miss any week of this series. But today, I like enjoyment. If you have a Bible, let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6, it's in the New Testament. 
Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we have those in the Next Steps room. Those are free. If you don't have a Bible, just pick one up. If you have a uh, tablet or a smartphone, go to corechurch.com. If you don't have the Bible on your phone or your tablet, you can download the Bible right there. I'm in the New Living Translation, the NLT, if you're looking it up on your, your smartphone. First Timothy, though, uh, is where we're going to be. That's about three-fourths of the way through your Bible. This is a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul. If you're new to church or you're new to reading the Bible, the Apostle Paul originally was a Jewish religious leader, persecuted Christians, hated Christians, but then had an incredible conversion, became a Christian, and then became the very first missionary, the very first church planter. And so he raised up these pastors to pastor these different churches that he would start. One of those pastors was a young man by the name of Timothy. And so he wrote this letter to Timothy to try to help him as a young pastor to know how to pastor a church. So pastors love this letter because it helps us to know how am I supposed to pastor my church, what am I supposed to be doing. So he writes this to Timothy, Pastor Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 17. He says this, the Apostle Paul says this to Timothy. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Let's pray. God, for your word in this moment that we have to open your scriptures, we are thankful. And I, I pray in the moments that we have that, that you would speak to us as your people. Um, we just need you. We just are so thankful that your Holy Spirit speaks to us and teaches us and trains us and corrects us. Uh, you're good. In this moment, uh, church, I would ask you just to pray for those around you. You might know them, you might not. You don't have to pray out loud. Just pray that the Holy Spirit will speak to them. Pray for yourself. Say, God, help me to be open. Help me to be open to what you want to say today. And then pray for me as your pastor uh, that I would be faithful to the text, faithful to the scriptures today for all of us in Jesus' name. If you're ready to hear from the word of God, give me a big amen. amen. Okay, half of you are ready. Are you ready to hear from the word? Give me a big amen. Because Colorado's looking good. All right. I, I like getting uh, unexpected gifts. I'm, I'm not big on getting gifts uh, like on my birthday or Christmas because it's, you know, you're supposed to get the gift then. But isn't it fun to get a completely unexpected gift out of nowhere? I mean, just you didn't see it coming and you get it. It just feels good. This happened to me a couple of weeks ago. A friend of mine uh, came up and, and gave me a, a bag and, and on the bag it said J. Crew. I'm being honest, I didn't know what that was. I thought J. Crew was a rapper. That's what I thought. All these years, I've heard of J. Crew, but I thought, is, did he open for P. Diddy? Who is J. Crew? Uh, come to find out, it, 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 he's not a rapper. It's a clothing store in the mall, which explains why I have no idea what it is. 
because uh, I just don't frequent that place very often. And, and I, I don't know anything about this store. So I'm honestly thinking, J. Crew, is this a rapper who opened up a clothing store? I mean, what kind? Am I going to have to get sag? Am I going to go sagging? What's this going to be like? I don't know what I'm getting myself into. And I open up the bag, and, and it has this unbelievable pair of pants in it like I had never seen before in my life. They didn't fit me right. So I had to go to the mall to, to return them, uh, which was a weird experience because I've, I've never shopped at the mall. Honest to God truth. Never, ever bought anything for myself at the mall. So Laura had to go with me to show me where the store was at. So I felt like my mom was with me going back to school shopping. You know, I mean, I really felt that way. I said, okay, let's go. Okay, gee, I got my little bag. You know, and uh, so I walk in the store, and uh, anybody been to J. Crew? I just, J. Crew people? Okay, some of you don't know, you ain't never been to J. Crew. Yeah, I, I'd never been in there before. I walked into this store. I think alarms were going off. Boop, boop, boop. This guy has no money. I mean, I walk in there, and, um, and I go to return. I said, I need to return these. And, and he's like, okay, cool. And, and, and they, were, they were pretty expensive, at least by my standard. And I, I was like, wow, okay, well, you know, maybe, maybe I could get like two pairs of pants. So I'm like, hey, dude, where's your clearance rack? <laughs> J. Crew shoppers right there. They have no clearance rack at J. Crew. No clearance rack anywhere. The guy's looking at me like, uh, you want a clearance rack? Old Navy's across the street, my friend. So I, I'm walking around, and I find, these, I find uh, the pair of pants, and, and I, I go get them in, my, in, in the right size, and, and, I, and I put these, these pants on, and, and they, they are $75 pants, people! I've never had, I've never bought, nor have I ever tried on a $75 pair of pants before. I know a lot of you ladies are like, really? I got those on the clearance rack for $75. That's what I'm wearing today. Bam. Okay, so, but not this guy. I'm cheap. I go cheap. I'm, look, I'm always working the clearance rack. I'm always looking for the $30 jeans. And my people, $30 jeans, people. All right, okay, good. My people are here. That's why I live in Oklahoma. That's why I pastor this church. So I, I, I put these, these pants on. They're amazing. These are the pants. Yeah. This is what $75 looks like walking, okay? This is what $75 looks like preaching. You're like, man, I knew he was preaching good today. I didn't know what it was. It's the pants. Some of you are like, I've seen those $30 jeans you wear. You really need to step it up, pastor. I haven't been able to bring guests for months because of those things. It, it's fun, though. It's fun to, to get. It's fun to, to receive. It's so good to get an unexpected gift. It's really fun. But what's interesting is Jesus said, as great as it is to get something, there's even greater joy in being the giver of the gift. This is what he said in, in Acts 20, 35. These are the words of Jesus. Some of you have heard this. Let's say this together. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's try that again, church. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And Jesus lived this out, did he not? If you've read the Bible and you know the stories of Jesus, 
I mean, he, he lived that out. There's only a couple of occasions where he was receiving a gift. There's a couple of times where he was invited to a dinner, and so he received a dinner. Next week, we're going to talk about this story where a lady gave him this expensive bottle of perfume where she washed his feet. That only happened a few times. The majority of times, Jesus was living that out. He was the gift giver because he loved to give. He, he would show compassion to a leper. He healed a woman. He took time to allow children to come and hang out with him. He would listen to people, and then ultimately we know he gave his life. Gave his life on the cross for you and for me. But as true as that is, that it, it's better to give than to receive, I... I I still want to be on the getting end. I, I really like being on the getting end sometimes more than I do the, the, the giving end. It's, it's just hard. But if you're taking notes, I'd like for you to write this down because this is where we're going to land today. And here's what I want to talk to you about for just a few minutes, okay? Getting is great. Turn to the person next to you and say, getting is great. In fact, if you want to give to me, I will receive Getting is great, but giving is even better. Giving is great, but giving is even better. Uh, research in, in this book, I Like Giving, Brad Formsma talks about this research project they did, and they uh, asked people um, about their spending habits and, and whether they, they give to charity or whether they give to other people or if they're just a generous person in their life. And what they found is, People who gave, people who practice generosity in their life are happier than people who do not. And they, they looked at this research and they, they decided, you know what, let's, let's, let's practice this and let's look at this and do some research on college students. Because if you're selfish at any point in your life, it's usually during your teen years and your, your college years. So they went to Stanford University, conducted the same research, and what they found is college students who were generous, were happier than those who held on to what they had. So then they took the research one step further, and they said, let's try this. This is among people that don't have anything. So they went to some of the poorest countries in the world. They went to Rwanda, where people have nothing. Third world country, they, they don't even make a dollar a day. And they went and did the same project, research project there, and they found that even in the poorest of conditions, people who gave were happier than those who didn't. I think intuitively, deep inside of us, I'm not preaching anything you don't already know. I think we all know that. I mean, we, we all just like, yes, I, I, I believe that. I don't need no research project to tell me that. I believe it. So why, why is it so difficult to live out? Why is it so hard to live out? Paul helps us with this a little bit. Because he, he knew that being generous would be difficult. And so he wrote this letter to Timothy, and he gave him some instructions. He said, I want you to, to tell your people about this. And he helps us to understand why it's so difficult and what we're supposed to be doing in our lives. Look at 1 Timothy 6.17 again. 1 Timothy 6.17. Paul talking to Timothy. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in what? In their... In their what? Money. Well, trust in their money, which is what? So on 
reliable. Turn to the person next to you and say, your money is unreliable. Their trust, some of you are married to that person, you're like, yeah, I know your money's unreliable. I saw the credit card statement. He says, their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. And in other words, Paul, Paul says money is, is completely unreliable. If you were to look at some of the other texts, uh, some of the other translations, it, it says that money is, is uncertain. But, but money, money gives us a false sense of security, doesn't it? I mean, when you, when you have it, you, you have this sense of security. There's a sense of joy that you have when, when you have it. Money is there, and it just feels good to have it, but, but money is a funny thing, because as quickly as it comes, it goes. I mean, it, as quickly as it comes, it goes. Yeah, what happened? My, my grandkids came to, to town a, a, about a month ago, and I've got, um, I have four children. Two are uh, aged out of the home and um, on their own now, and, and I've got, one of them's married and has two kids, and they're preschoolers, and uh, grandparents, any grandparents here? Okay. Wow. We, we didn't get some younger people in this church. I'm just, there's way too many hands that went up right there. No, power to the grandparents. Yeah, I'm a grandpa to the second power, and I love my grandkids, and uh, everything about being a grandpa is true, and, and so I love spoiling them, and I, I, I love just doing things for them more than I do my own kids. Man, that's just too bad. I'm so sorry, Jeremiah, but it is true. I, I will spend more. I will do more for my grandkids than I will ever do for my own children. That's just the way it rolls. Listen, that my parents did it to me, your parents did it to you, and you, we just passed this on generation to generation. So they, they came to town, and, and uh, Laura had set up a, a special day for them, and, and, uh, and I'm kind of a tightwad. I, 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 don't, I mean, I just uh, kind of did that with the J. Crew thing. Uh, but I, I don't like to spend money. I just like to, I like, like my money, and so I don't like to spend it. But, but my grandkids are coming. I'm like, I'm going I'm to spoil them. And so Laura planned a special day, and so one of the, the first trip was to the uh, Tulsa Children's Museum. And so we went to the Tulsa Children's Museum. Now, let me, let me say this, okay? This is very important. Men, listen to me now. Every man, lock in right now to this. There's this thing out there called P.O.D., I, I was not aware of it until I became a, a grandfather or until my kids aged out of the home. When your kids age out of the home, you'll figure this out. POD stands for payable on dad. What that means is dad pays for everything. Think about that. Those of you that have young children, when your dad and mom come to town, do you pay for anything? No, the dad's got to pay for it. That's just how we roll. So we get to the Children's Museum. We're there, and, and I told you, I got a lot of kids. I mean, I've got, I got four kids. I got two grandkids. I got a daughter-in-law. I got a dog. I got a cat. And I, I got like three stray neighbor kids with me as well. I mean, I just got a load of them. It's six bucks to get in this place. I'm like, six bucks. I got this. Six bucks times cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. I'm like, I'm sorry, how much did you say that was? Lars, give me that look like. You're paying that. Yes, ma'am, I am. I'm looking in there. I'm like, I don't see no Mickey. I don't see no castle. I see building blocks and Legos. And you're going to charge me how much? So I do. I do because I'm the grandpa. That's what I do. And so my grandkids go in there. We're having a great time. And we're having a blast. They're running. They're jumping. They're playing and everything. 90 minutes later, my grandson comes up to me and says, get by tired. I'm tired. I'll go home. Oh, we've been there 90 minutes. 
get back in there and play. I give my money's worth. Laura's like, he is tired. We're leaving now. All right, we're leaving now. We're leaving now. I go up to the lady. Do you have a minute charge? Because I don't think I got my money. Can I give him? We leave there. Then Laura's like, hey, because she's the grandma, and this is she's, grandmas get what they want. So she's like, hey, I have this special candy store I want to take them to in downtown Tulsa. I'm like, come on, that sounds fun, you know. She tells me the name of this place. We go down there, and we walk in this place. Oh, my goodness, what they charge for taffy with wax paper. I'm like, is this imported wax paper? What is this? I mean, how much for this taffy? Laura gives me that look. So I pay it. I'm having fun. <laughs> we walk out of there. I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Let's go home now. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We're going to have some. And, and Laura's like, well, you know, your son, he, he likes Chick-fil-A. He likes Chick-fil-A. And they, don't, they only have one out there, and he can't ever get to it. We should take him to, okay, all right, we're going to go get him some Christian chicken. So, um <laughs> Because he's from California. They're so liberal out there. They can't have Christian chicken. <laughs> so, so I stopped at the bank, took out a second mortgage on the home, uh, went, got in line. My oldest son, my oldest son steps up to the counter. He knows that I'm paying for everything. He says, I have the number one. I'm like, what home did I raise you in? Anybody who's gone to this church for any amount of time knows how my family rolls. We get it off the dollar menu, and we get water. That's how we roll in my house. So Jeremiah, he sees this. He's the third one in line, and, and he sees this. He looks at me, looks at his brother. He's like, well, then I'll have the number one because <laughs> he knows. His sister's not even paying attention. She gets up, and she goes, um, I'll have the little three chicken nuggets and a water. <laughs> she steps back. This is the truth. And she sees her brother getting a Dr. Pepper. She looks at me. She looks at, I'll have the number one. I am just broke after this, people. We went home after that and to just add insult to injury. We get into the kitchen, and I'm playing with my granddaughter. She's the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. She's just so amazingly cute, way cuter than any of your kids or grandkids could ever be. I mean, your, kid, your grandkids look like mug shots next to mine. Oh, don't be. Oh, you get yourself some grandkids, and you know, they're over here. So we get home, playing with the grandkids, and, and, and so Laura, she gets out uncooked noodles and some food coloring and we sit down on the kitchen floor and for like an hour just began to play together with uncooked noodles and food coloring and in that moment I was just thinking we could have skipped all of what we just did I could have spent about 30 cents and had the time of my life right here but when I, when I was sitting there on the kitchen floor with, with my granddaughter, I realized I just about missed the joy in giving. Because everything was tied to my wallet. All of my joy was tied 
to my wallet. The very thing that the Apostle Paul says, don't do, I was doing. He says, don't trust in your money, but, but that's what I was doing, and I nearly lost out on this moment with my grandkids because I was so consumed with my pocketbook. Full pocketbook, full of joy. Empty pocketbook, empty of joy. Now, come on, maybe for you it's not money. But I, I think we all have our joy tied to something. We all have our, tied, our, 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 our joy tied to something. For, for some of us, it's for enjoyment. I, I need more money. That's yours. Maybe that's you. For, for enjoyment, I need more money. For some of you, it's for enjoyment, I need, I need more boat. For some of you, it's for enjoyment, I, I need more house. I need, I need more car. For some of you, you still haven't gotten over the fact that I got to go to Colorado and you doing a staycation. And you're like, I, for enjoyment, I need more vacation. Our, our joy is tied to our pocketbook. Here's what money says. Money says this, trust in me. Look to me. I'm going to be your security. You're going to find all your enjoyment as long as you got me. But that's Nothing but a lie. Paul tells Timothy, he says this, God has given you all you need for your enjoyment. Timothy, you got everything you need. In fact, you need to tell your people that. They have everything they need, including uncooked noodles. You have everything you need for enjoyment. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, you have everything you need for enjoyment. We have everything. God has already richly blessed us with everything we need. Paul says this, the greatest enjoyment doesn't come from getting. It comes from giving. Look at verse 18. Tell them to use their money to do what? Good. You ever wonder what you're supposed to do with your money? Like, what's the purpose of money? Paul does an amazing job of summing up what money is for. Money is to do good. I wish I had read that right before I went out with my grandkids. Brad, use your money to do good. You're investing and loving on your grandchildren. Don't get so caught up in this that your money is being sucked out of your wallet and all of your joy is being sucked. Just Use your money to do good. And we could just end on that right there. Just use your money to do what? Do good. What am I supposed to do with this $5? Do good. What am I supposed to do with this $100? Do good. Do good. He says this, they should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. Again, getting is great. But giving is even greater. Now, now, Paul is not saying, hey, hey Timothy, you, you need to tell your people don't eat out. Tell, tell, you need to tell them stop eating out. Paul, Paul's not saying, hey, hey, tell your people to not go on vacation. He's not saying, hey, hey tell, your, tell your people not to go to Starbucks. That, that's, that's not what he's saying right here. Paul is actually calling us to be countercultural. What, what he's saying here is go against the current 
Be generous. Go against the current. Just do good with what I've given you. It, it takes great effort to push against the cultural current. It takes incredible effort to do that because the, count, the, the, the cultural current drifts towards self-indulgence. Oh, I need more home improvement. Oh, I need more social status. I, I need my next restaurant. I, I, I got a remodeling project. It all moves towards self-indulgence. And Paul's saying, I want you to push against the current and learn to be generous. Because the culture will always pull you towards self-indulgence, towards living for yourself. Listen, this happened to me just, just about a week ago. I was downtown Tulsa, and I had to park for a few hours, so I used one of those parking, went in one of the parking lots and paid my $5, and there was an attendant there. And, and as I was walking away, I, I sensed God saying to me, give, give the attendant $5. And what went through my mind in that moment was, I just paid 5 bucks to park here. And, and I, we're getting ready to go to Colorado, and, and we're trying to scrape, scrape together every dime we have just so we can get there. I, I don't have five bucks. I don't really know that that was God. And so I, I walked away. And I came back a couple hours later. Oh, man, God, you're just, ah, oh, he's there, like a couple hours later. And God's like, you, you going to give it to him? And I would love to stand here and tell you, yes, I did, but I didn't. I went and I got in, in my car. And I drove out of the parking lot by this guy on out of downtown. Because I felt like I, I, I needed that. I needed that $5. And, and I missed out on this opportunity of generosity. I went with the cultural current instead of pushing against it. Here's what I love about our God. He's a God of second chances. He's always a God of second chances. So we are, we're in Colorado and we're eating dinner one night and uh, Laura strikes up a conversation with one of the waitresses that wasn't our waitress, and come to find out she was there um, in Colorado to go to Bible college, and she had uh, sold all of her horses in, in California so she could get to Colorado and go to, to Bible college. And so we had a little conversation with her, and as we were getting ready to walk out, that prompting came back. But this time, God says, I want you to give her $20. So my lesson on that is, listen to God the first time, because it's $5, not 20 <laughs> Always listen to the first prompting. <laughs> and he, here's what I did. I started to leave, because I didn't see her. And I was like, and Lars like, uh, I'm starting to walk out, and I go, okay, if, if she walks by, I'll give it to her. And sure enough, she walks by, and I take $20 out, and I just shake her hand. I say, here, I wanted to give this to you. I'm a pastor, and, and I, I just heard your story, and I just wanted you to know that God uh, wants you to know that he's going to meet every need that you have, all, all ministry, your entire ministry. He's going he's, he's to do it in crazy ways, but he's gonna, this, this is just, just a small gift, but, but I want you to use this gift and remember this moment that God says, I'm going to meet every need, no matter what it is, throughout your entire ministry, and she just she starts tearing up, almost weeping, and she said, I was just praying and asking God this morning if, if this was the right idea and if he was going to meet my needs. If you ask me what was the best part of my trip in Colorado, it wasn't Pikes Peak, it wasn't the Garden of the Gods, it wasn't hiking, it wasn't the out mountain air, 
It was that encounter I had with that waitress in that restaurant. This is what Paul is telling us here. And he says, Paul says, listen, you, it, it's not just about being generous with, with your money. It encompasses every area of your life. He says, be rich in good works. Be generous to those in need. Be ready to share with others. It's, it's more than just money. It's, it's, it's this 31-day giving challenge we have. Go online. Look at it. Every day there's an opportunity to do something, whether it's to smile at somebody, to acknowledge somebody's presence, whether it's to help somebody uh, with monetary means or to help them with food or whether it's back-to-school supplies. There's all different ways that we can all be generous. Brad Formsma, in his book, he said this. I like what he said in his book. Those who give freely of what they have are truly the happiest among us. See, God's not going to hold you accountable for what you don't have. But he will hold you accountable for what you do have. What are you doing with what he has given you? Because getting is great, but giving is even greater. And there's a reward to giving. Look at verse 19. By doing this, the Apostle Paul, by doing this, being generous, they will be storing up their what? Their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience what? True life. Paul calls generosity a treasure. He says it's a treasure. Those who are generous are the richest among us. But what do we do? We store up treasures for ourselves. That's what we do. We think, now I'm truly living. I've stored up all these treasures for myself. Now I'm true. That is not living. Getting is great. But giving is even greater. I, I want you to hear a story of that. We've been showing you these videos, but I want you to hear the story of some of our own people. I want to invite Kelly and Tina Troxell if they would come up, because I want them to share with you a story about giving rather than getting. I've known Kelly and Tina uh, for a long, long time. They've been friends of for Laura and I for over 25 years now, and it's a pleasure to do ministry with them and be in this church together with them. But I, w I wanted you, them to share a little bit of their story. Now, I'll give you this microphone, whoever wants it. Kelly's the big talker, not. Um, so t uh, first of all, tell her about how many kids you have, biological children that you have. We have four. You have four biological children, but then a few years ago, God moved on your heart to begin the process of fostering. Talk to us about that. We, about 11 years ago, um, God laid it on our heart to foster. And, um, well, ultimately it started about 20 years ago. And that little girl, um, we still have contact with, she's 28 now with two children, um, but about 11 years ago, um, Zach and Zoe were brought into our family, and we ultimately adopted them. And um, now, um, Kelly actually wanted to share this part about Colton. I think this is amazing. Before you share this, so you have four. I have four of my own. You have four. You said, I'm going to adopt this like 11 years ago. How long did you, Zach and Zoe, how long ago was that? Maybe 11, 11 years ago? Okay, so 11 years ago, and then you, and throughout this process, you're continuing to foster other children. So you have your biological children. I've adopted a few children. Now I'm going to foster some more children, and, and then Colton comes along. Well, at the time, um, we just had, uh, we didn't have any other children in the home other than the ones we adopted, and, and then daughter Gabrielle, but... Um, 
some people in the family came to us and said, we know of this little boy that just got taken into custody. And um, he, there's no other family members that want him. And uh, we thought of you guys, thought you guys would take him in so the mom can get her life back in order and uh, ultimately try to have a reunification with her child. And uh, so we said, okay. And then just over time, the reunification didn't happen. She lost custody. So he's still in, in our home. All this time we've grown to love him and treat him as one of our own. And uh, the doors just kept opening that we're supposed to keep the, keep him for long term, and so we just a couple of weeks ago we we uh, adopted him, and yeah, we have grandchildren that's that's his age, so <laughs> it's just kind of you know God God said you know we're not done with you guys, so what what yeah you give my hand yeah. I mean, you're true, truly two of the most unselfish giving people. I, I've adopted two, and then you guys have, like, totally trumped me now. And, I mean, you're just your generosity is just off the chain. Um, what is it like being on that side of giving? I mean, I've just been all morning long, I've been saying getting is great, but giving is even greater. What has that it's, been like for you? It's hard. I mean, just like what you said. I mean, we're going against what, personally, it's like, ah, uh, you know, we got to, you know, starting over, we're going to, you know, how old are we going to be? You know, it's like, but it's like. You're going to be like, with 35 when he graduates? Yeah, okay, 35 but, when he graduates. But my joy, personally, is, know, <clears throat> is knowing that we're taking a kid that ultimately would be lost. Yeah. And, uh giving him a chance to break the curse mm, that he was born into. Amen. And make a difference in his life yeah. that he would pass that on to his family. Wow. Amen. Thank you guys so much. You give them a hand. that God invites every one of us into that story. He has, he has a story for you. These, these stories of generosity, they're not just reserved for the pastor or, or for Kelly and Tina and their family. God has a story that he wants to write through your generosity. I, I think for some of you today, I just want to say that some of you you think you're supposed to be fostering or maybe adopt. Um, how many parents here, if you're a parent and you've adopted a child, will you stand or you are adopted? You've adopted a child or you are adopted, would you stand? Yeah. All right, keep standing. No, no, keep standing. There's a reason why I have you stand, not, not just so people applaud. Okay. Uh, I, I just really sense that God is moving on some of you and, and he's been telling you for a long time, you need to foster. 
need to foster a child or you, you need to adopt. These are the people you need to go talk to, okay? I want them standing so that you can see them, so you can go talk to them. Some of them have been adopted. They'll tell you their story of what adoption has meant to them. They can tell you, Laura and I, we can tell you the fostering process. We can tell you the adoption process. We can tell you the joy that it comes through adoption. These are the people that I want to encourage you to speak with. You guys can be seated. If you struggle with giving, you're like, Brad, I want to be a giver. I just I want to so badly, but I just, I just struggle with that. Can I encourage you today to start by giving yourself fully and completely to Jesus Christ, the greatest giver who ever lived. No one was more unselfish. No one was more generous laying down his life for you and I. And the more I give myself to him, the more generous I become. The more generous I become, the more full of joy I become. Would you bow your heads and allow me to pray for you today? If you say today, Brad, I want to be a generous person. I struggle with giving and I just want to be generous. I'm a follower of Jesus, but I'm just not real super generous. But today, I want to fully consecrate myself to God. I want to be entirely filled with the Holy Spirit because this is what I know. When you submit yourself, when you fully surrender yourself to Jesus Christ, give your life fully, completely to Him and allow His Holy Spirit to fill you, you will become a generous person. If that's you today, would you just slip up your hand? I want to be filled full of the Holy Spirit. I want all of Him and none of me. I see your hands over there in the middle, on the sides. I see your hands. God, for those who are raising their hands right now to be filled with your Holy Spirit, God, would you do that today? They are acknowledging, God, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I need more of Jesus in my life. I want to be known as a generous person. Today, I fully surrender my life to God. Holy Spirit, fill them completely to live this generous lifestyle. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you today into the greatest relationship you will ever have. And that's with the Son of God. Jesus came, He died for your sin, for my sin. That junk you have in your life, that past that you have, that you've been living with, He says, you don't have to live with that anymore. I'll wipe it away. I'll forgive it. I'll take it away. I'll make you new. That Holy Spirit I spoke about, He wants to come into your life and give you the ability to overcome sin, to overcome the shame in your life, to have a new beginning, and to experience generosity like you've never felt before in your life. If you're not a follower of Jesus, and today is the day that you say, I want to follow him, just make this your prayer. Say, Father, I, I acknowledge I'm not following you, but I desire to follow you. You're here today and you've been away from God for a long time. Maybe you've walked away, you've lived your own life, but you say, man, I want to come back to Jesus. I want to come back and recommit my life to him. Just make that your prayer. God, I'm recommitting my life to you. Forgive my sin. Come in and make me new. Take the old me away and replace it with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, for your forgiveness. If you made that your prayer today, would you just raise your hand? I won't embarrass you. I just want to know who you are. Anybody today, you made that prayer. Thank you here in the front, in the middle. In the middle, I see you. Anybody else, you've recommitted your life to Jesus. 
or you've made a commitment to follow him for the first time in the middle section I see you anybody else Father thank you for these new creations the old is gone the new has come we praise you for that in Jesus name amen let's give God a big hand clap for what he's doing today in people's lives